0: In our diaper in the area of growing in stature so this is the physical component so we talked about the disciplines of life we talked about the instructions and disciplines we talked about a good schedule of being structured in pretty much every area uh, that we have a disciplined lifestyle that we eat at the same time we eat uh, good balanced meals we're gonna talk a little bit more about that uh, maybe a little bit tonight, and that we're going to um, have a good bedtime. We're going to have just good structure. Your children are so much safer, feel so much safer, and behave so much better in that condition, that situation. So we're coming to um, the P, which is provision. And this um, we are really weird about, all right? So let's talk a little bit about what you need to provide your child. What do you need to provide for your child? And let's, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give me some of your ideas of what you need to provide for your child. Let's get some quick responses. Be with each other. All right, that's social. That's in favor with men. We're going to handle that later. I'm talking just about their physicality, what their body needs. Food and water love their body needs love yes, yes. okay uh, and by that we really mean uh, physical contact um, love can be expressed in a lot of ways when you talk about phys- their physicality they need to be held hugged um, there was a orphanage in an eastern Bloc country where they were doing experiments on these infants and uh, uh you know psychologists are all nuts but uh and they were not having physical contact with them, and they all grew up to be trouble. Um, So physical contact is part of their need list. So food, water, physical contact, what else do you need to provide them for their physical bodies? Clothing and shelter. We've added clothing and shelter now. What else do they need for their physical selves? Sanitation. (laughs) Sanitation. comes from all these moms changing diapers, all right? They need cleanliness, all right? Um, They need to be clean, all right? You need to provide a clean environment, and you need to instruct them and show them. We're going to talk about examples as well, maybe tonight. We're going to provide them a cleanliness. Their body needs that. It's for their physical health. They need clean environments and clothes and water and things like that. What else? Education. Legally, their body needs an education. <laughs> yeah, in terms of their brain development, we really kind of handle that more under growing in wisdom. But yeah, your brain is a physical component, and that's necessary. That we feed it not only with their food that they digest. That what their what does their brain need to grow developmentally? What what nutrients does it need? But also, it's like any other muscle, which um, I'm going to take your idea of that and go to the next level. What, do every, does, what does every muscle need? Exercise. exercise, all right? And so that's something you should provide your children um, with exercise. And I say, oh, yes. And so um, your brain, like any other part of your body, needs to exercise itself and so it needs those opportunities to exercise that's something you need to provide what else do you need to provide for your children physically sleep they need rest you need to provide them environments where they can rest which means that you might not be able to watch your monday night football that goes till midnight or 1 a.m or whatever time that's not as bad here because back east it's not over to like 1 a.m especially if that's a west coast game but you're not going to be able to have a loud environment in the evening hours or in the early morning or during nap time, things like that. They need their sleep if their bodies need it. What else do you need to provide them? Come down through our basic list. None of you said designer jeans. What else do we need to provide them? Anything? When we talk about, yeah, and about physical... Uh, Development, of being able to do eye-hand coordination um, and just normal activity. They need to be provide opportunities. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later on. Um, but Medicine, you need to provide for their well-being. Food is medicine, too, by the way. None of you said toys. How many of you have provided your children with toys? How many of you have not? How many of your grandparents have provided your children with toys? Not you, because you have grandparents that do that. We purposely don't do that, but we figured someone else could take care of that stuff. Okay, when we start making these lists and I start talking with parents, especially uh, newer parents or up. Up-and-coming parents—they um, have a huge list right now. You have to provide them a car seat, don't you? If they're an infant, till a certain weight—what is it? Forty pounds? Thirty pounds? Something like that. 60 S- there's adults that aren't, <laughs> are, are teenagers that aren't seventy pounds hardly. Some of them. So we recognize we have to provide some other things that are modern culture requires. Um, But biblically, what do you suppose the Bible says we're supposed to provide them? For their bodies, for their physical care. Kind of interestingly small list uh, of what the Bible describes as their physical needs that you as a parent are responsible to provide for them. Let's uh, just look at one real quick. Let's go to 1 Samuel, and then we're going to spend a lot of time in another book of the Bible, but let's just go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. What happens if you were going to drop your child off for somebody else to raise them? Because that's what Hannah did with Samuel. And so let's see what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Um, when Samuel is born and Hannah uh, brings him, uh, when she had weaned him, it says, uh, that's back in chapter 1. And so she brings him before and presents him to Eli. Um, they had brought uh, for their sacrifice that day three bulls, one of flour, a skin of wine, and brought them to the house of the Lord. That was their sacrifice. They slaughtered the bull, uh, brought them, and uh, so we find all that happening. Chapter 2 is what is she providing for him to dwell in the house of the Lord with Eli? And that's beginning of verse 18. It says, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So what did Hannah provide for her son? How much clothing? One robe a year. He served in a linen ephah. Now, that doesn't mean probably a whole lot to you, um, but to any Hebrew reader of that, what does that mean? A linen ephod was reserved for one class of people, the priests. Priests were to serve in linen ephods. So he was wearing the priestly garments of Eli's household, um, and he was brought a robe. This would have been uh, designating that he wasn't a priest. Um, Usually this was a tribal thing, and well identifying him as to where he's from, his 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 original clan or tribe, what tribe Israel is from. And so these robes are very significant. They are saying, and that's why the Bible keeps saying, this is Hannah's gift to the Lord that keeps on giving. Uh, He's a gift to the Lord. He is lent to the Lord um, because the Lord has given him to me. And so this is what she provided him year by year, uh, which, by the way, is why Joseph's coat of many colors was such a big thing to the brothers Um, because it was very significant uh, to provide that special robe for him, the outerwear, we would think of it as, not necessarily because he normally wore a Lenefin. So what else? Well, does that mean that our children don't need all these other things? Well, we're going to look at a biblical concept that we need very desperately, I believe, in our society in this area of what are we providing our children What is our responsibility before the Lord? And I fear that one of the things that we are caught up in is the ideology of the American way of what we associate with what is a good parent providing them. And so let's go to the book of what? Guess. Proverbs? No. Deals with all your physical needs. What book of the Bible? I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to see if you can come up with it. There's only 66 choices. You've already wiped out one. So it's not going to be first Samuel because I told you to turn there. So now there's 64 choices. Huh? Is that numbers? Numbers, no. If you were in, in charge of having to do this lesson, or not lesson, but to do this study. Ecclesiastes. Turn your Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes. What are you going to provide our body? The preacher, in Ecclesiastes, says, I withheld nothing my body desired, and it was vanity. It was worthless. It was useless. Um, everything my eye beheld that I wanted, I got, and it didn't make me happy. Everything that I wanted in every category, of life, socially, physically, I wanna, if I wanted. This I wanted that I went after it and I I got it, it did nothing for me I, I went after pleasure I went after possessions I went after all these things and it was vanity the word of Ecclesiastes is vanity or chasing after the wind is the other phrase he uses in replacement of vanity it's just worthlessness it, it doesn't accomplish anything and so we in the American dream are chasing the wind is exactly solomon's description you're chasing vanity um, because we seek to accumulate all the stuff and solomon's like if you accumulate all this stuff what is the end result the end result is that you can't ever enjoy it not really because now you've accumulated all this stuff what do you need now you have a bunch of stuff what do you need You got to maintain the stuff you got to clean the stuff you got to protect the stuff you got to store the stuff you got to keep track of the stuff you got to insure the stuff you gotta and all of that requires what time money and energy that you have to do to hang on to the stuff and so I'm not here to just talk about a minimalistic lifestyle because you guys know my lifestyle and that would be hypocritical of me um, because I have stuff. I have way too much stuff, way more than I really require. Um, And so there is that chase. Just dealing with tires. Do you realize how many tires I have to take care of and maintain? I had to do that last week. I had to go in and take care of a tire because I ran over a nail. And my wife calls me and says, i got a tire problem. It's my problem. It's not her problem. It's my problem. Um, And so between trailers, tractor, truck, car, van, gator, scooter, it goes on. It's like 40 tires I have to keep track of, what their condition is. That's a headache, and it's a pain. So there's a costliness. When do we start communicating these things to our to people is, and they're very young. And so when we get the concept that I need to provide for their physical needs, we need to really understand a biblical view of what physical needs are. With food and raiment, let us be content, the New Testament says. With food, and that isn't a, 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 everything my eye sees, it, it's sufficient. It is what is I need today, my daily bread. Uh, give us this day our daily bread, um, raiment, and it's not an entire closet full, um, but rather, as we see here, he served in linen ephod, which just is a, a white overgarment, and then he got one robe a year, and uh, that was it. That was all he required, and we see many in the in the biblical time that that was largely all they had was perhaps one or two three outfits that was about it and so you're not allowed to take a man's tunic in pledge for a debt because what's he gonna do at night? he's gonna get cold you've taken his tunic you're not allowed to take the raiment the shirt off his back in in security for a for a loan or a pledge don't take that as a pledge because he needs that and so um, food and raiment we are learning to be content when do we start learning this well, Ecclesiastes says it's going to start when you're a youth. And when you're a youth, this is when you need to begin to learn this. He didn't learn it as a youth. Does that surprise you? Solomon did not learn contentment as a youth. Why not? He's a prince. Do you ever read what David's kingdom is like that Solomon grew up in? Remember, Solomon was a son of David's old age he was grandpa age having Solomon as his son okay so Solomon was not at the front end when David was running around the wilderness living off of whatever he could find in the hills while Solomon chased him he never lived that life Solomon lived only the life of the palace Because remember, his dad had already been well-established as king, was in the palace, saw his mom, had the affair with her, and then eventually, after murdering her her husband, uh, married her, and he's the second child, the one that lived. And um, so he, he only knew palace life. He didn't learn contentment at home. So he learned it because he was... Asked for wisdom from God, and God gave not only wisdom but even more wealth. He says, Okay, well, is wealth satisfying? Is pleasure satisfying? He had a thousand women at his disposal. Is pleasure satisfying? No. Is wealth satisfying? He didn't learn it as a youth, so now he wants his youth, and he says it here repeatedly about the the youth, he keeps referring to them, especially towards the end of the book. Um, So, we are chasing the wind and when we start doing that is when our children are young what are we providing them and my contention is too much of the wrong things now you hit on some really good ones that i'm excited that they came out because i was thinking you should be replacing this with this Um, that they need more of your time they need more of your touch they need more of your reading to them, of your engaging them. They need that relationship. They need the physicality of playing with you, not dropping them off to play with somebody else under some coach. They need to play with you and watch their development because you're there and they play with you. So we need to provide things, and but because we have purchased or we have bought into it we bought into the american mentality that if i don't get all of this stuff that you know jimmy has one so we need to have one um, that i'm not a good parent but in order to provide all of this stuff to have the latest newest fanciest stuff what does it require you what are you robbing your children of you're pro- not providing them the physical contact, you're not providing them you. The greatest provision to your child is you. This is what you need to provide them physically. Can you imagine, uh, we have all these pregnant, we have four pregnant ladies here. Can you imagine how, it would? you understand that your child is completely 100% dependent upon you, right? If you stop eating, your child will eventually stop eating. Um, There are some protective things God has put in there to try to keep the child alive even at your expense. That happens in famine-ridden places. Um, But uh, we understand that what they need is you. Their physicality requires you, not just socially. We're going to talk about social aspects next. In favor favor of God is next. Um, And so uh, in their physical state. And they're growing in stature, and they need that contact. And we find that Hannah is going to bring him, but not until he's fully weaned, which probably is probably close to five years old. And, and then he is a delight to Eli, and there's indication that they were in very close proximity almost all the time, and even at night. Right? If Samuel heard a voice at night, whose was it? He thought it was Eli's because he, he was in hearing of Eli, and Eli was in the hearing of him. But it was God. You're right. That's who it ended up being. But he thought it was Eli because they're in that close proximity. And so when we talk about what you need to provide physically for your children, um, in terms of material things, the Bible says food and raiment. Now, can we include shelter, um, a bed, uh, things like that? Um, certainly, I, I think that's probably inclusive in that idea that if you're going to have food, you're going to have to have a place to prepare it and eat it. If you're going to have raiment, you're going to have covering over you, including over your head, um, from shelter from, it's essentially you need nourishment and shelter. Uh, all raiment is is really shelter from the elements and uh, a love and modesty. Okay? So these are the fundamental material needs of your children. What happens if a child does not have a toy? But what do they do? They make anything into a toy. And I've been to it's, it's phenomenal. I was in Haiti and at the orphanage, and everyone, when they want to give some the orphans, want to give them toys. Everyone, you know how many orphans need a toy? Everything became a toy. In fact, it's incredible the imagination that they, the creativity that they exhibited in turning normal everyday things into toys and to games and to activities. In fact, sometimes your toys are counter-creative. I like to use the example of Steve Jobs. Um, You figure he had children, right? You knew he had children. He had children yeah he did that? steve jobs who is steve jobs apple. he is the man who founded apple computers okay so in one of the interviews they said well certainly your children have access to every apple device and gadget and game and everything out there and he says not a one None of my children have any access to any electronic devices. He says it stunts creativity. And children shouldn't have access to them. That's his words. He didn't believe anything Apple made was for children, even the child lying. He wouldn't let his kids have access to them because it stunted their creativity, the development of their brain. And so when we think of these things, we've bought into a... Mindset that really has a single thing, and that is for you to chase the wind and to perpetuate that philosophy generationally. Because there will always be something new and better and, and that every other kid in the block has and that my kid desperately needs because everyone else has that. But in the course of getting all of that stuff, they're missing out on the one thing that is irreplaceable, and that is a parent or parents. You. They much prefer to play with you than to look at a device. They just don't know it. And they're not sure you want to play with them. Um, sit down on the TV. I don't have time for you. Why don't you have time for them? Because I have to work a job in addition to keeping a home. Um, why? So we have more stuff. And it's a vicious cycle. And, and corporate America loves that because that's how they get your your time into their bank accounts, because all we're trading is our time, and so we're stealing it from our children to give to the manufacturers, and so Ecclesiastes is going to address this, and so um, he asks the question, what profit is it? What what is the ultimate benefit of all of this? So let's pick up on a a little bit. Uh, I'm going to just, there's a lot here I don't have time to get into. Uh, Let's go to chapter 4. No, I'm not going to do that. Let's go to chapter 2. Verse 20. Verse 20. Therefore I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. He's referring to his own. Yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This is vanity and great evil. For what has... For what has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This is also vanity. Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. Solomon is talking about being content with just I have this I can enjoy this, and why chase after more? And he's going to bring on chapter 4. Let's jump ahead, chapter 4, verse 6. It says, better a handful with quietness than both hands full with toil and grasping for the wind. All right, so, contentment says, I have a handful. This is enough. Ooh, but there's another handful over there. Oh, but it's going to cost me some of my time. Energy but I now have two handfuls. Well, you that's twice more than you need. But we have been sold on having two handfuls mean, you're a success. And Solomon says, that's vanity. You're chasing the wind. When does it end? If two handfuls are better than one, then four must be better than two. So where do you ever stop this? What you need to provide for your child is very simple compared to what our society says your child needs. You've got to have this, you've got to have this, you've got to have this. How many books do you need to be in your home for your children to read? That's part of their mental development. How many books do they need? Do you know that many homes had one book and most children learned to read out of that book 150 years ago? That book was the Bible. They learned to write out of that book. They learned their language out of that book. They learned the book, learned to read. That's what was read to them, was out of that book, which is actually 66 books thrown together. Um, And, in fact, Proverbs says, at the writing of books, there's no end. There's no end to it. But that doesn't make you wiser. I say, well, I want my children to have a broadness. Um, what does that mean? You want them exposed not only to righteousness but evil. Solomon did that for you. <laughs> he did. He says, "I went there and it wasn't good. Um, so what is the calling of man upon a youth was to be content, labor with your hands? What is good? that you may be able to provide, this is the New Testament, you may provide for your own and have some to give. But the problem is we have put in provide for your own this huge quantity of material things. The Bible says, well, is vanity. It's, it's worthlessness. So there's nothing better for a man than to work sufficiently that he has eaten and drink and he should enjoy the good, that, that's the good part of labor. Okay, you should be working enough to provide food and raiment shelter for your you and your family and have enough to give. And you should enjoy that and not, you know, be unable to enjoy that except when you take that two- or three-week vacation a year and then you really didn't enjoy it either fully. And, uh, and then you're basically a slave the rest of the time and you're allowed to enjoy your labor. And so when we look at the expectations of our society, we have to rebel against those very hard, and our children desperately need it. They would do so much better if we provide them the food and raiment and us. And when I say us, it means I'm going to help develop your brain by reading to you and engaging you and teaching you basic things, like you can learn math out in the backyard. Um, with a shovel and a tape measure and some string. My kids all did. (laughs) One point or another. Um, And they're spending time with you. And you're investing your time. Um, The illustration I keep giving people um, is uh, in America, we have made work easier and easier and easier. We tried to take the labor out of work, right? Right? So we have long hours at a desk in a chair in front of a computer screen, and that is our, quote, unquote, labor. And um, then we go home and sit in front of another screen uh, usually or often, uh, and that's our entertainment. And then uh, we realize that this isn't good for me physically, so what do I have to do? I got to get a membership at a gym. To pay for the membership of the gym, what do I have to do? Work more hours. you're on a treadmill that is dumb you can still watch tv on the treadmill at the gym so i'm paying for a gym that if i just didn't pay if i just worked a little less of sitting and did a little bit more activity in my life and actually sweated when i worked then i wouldn't need the gym right And you see how they just kind of fall upon each other. And so Solomon's whole contention here is that it is best to enjoy this amount, which is enough. Enjoy enough. And teach your children and provide for your children enough. This is enough to enjoy. Um, And I know the world is clamoring that they need, need, need. That's their job. Their job is to sell their stuff. And they will try to get your child that they need more. And so enjoy what you have or you're trying to work to get all this other thing that you can't ever enjoy because you're working to get more. And you're on a thing that's going to, you're going to get to be an old person and you're going to go, what a waste. Now I have all this stuff and I can't enjoy it. One of the great blessings of my life has been my wife who because of a retired missionary impacting her, realized that we can't wait till we're old to do some certain things. Because she kept putting me off and putting me off and putting me off, and I was like, I just stopped asking. And then she she comes home and Harry Anbacher had spoken, and she heard him, and you know, if you think my family is different than anyone else's family, you know, you always listen, you don't listen, if someone else other than your parent tells you that, you listen to them, even if it's the exact same thing your parent told you, right? Well, sometimes that way with preachers, too. If someone else tells you that, you know, oh, my preacher, you know, yeah, I told you that. So um, we started traveling. I said, I want to go to Israel. I want to go to the steps of Paul. I want to go into Greece. I want to go into Egypt. I want to go to these places. Can't afford it, can't afford it, can't afford it. I said, well, then, ugh. I'm not gonna live a life like that. I said, I'd rather have less and do these things that I think will be beneficial to me, my ministry, my preaching, my study. I mean, and thank the Lord for Harry And She came home from that trip having heard him and says, we need to go to Israel. (laughs) Because every Bible college student in Hong Kong goes to Israel as part of their Bible college experience. And you haven't been there. And every Bible college student from Hong Kong has been there. <laughs> Nothing like a little competition there. But um, why are we on this treadmill where we're trying to get more and more and more and more? And more? When is enough? And when can we just say, these things need to be enjoyed at some point? Your children desperately need you to enjoy them with them. You need to enjoy the things you have, and le- and even if it's fewer things, And with you. And so Solomon goes extensively through this. And and I'd encourage you, there's a lot more here than what I've really gone into. Um, (laughs) In in chapter 6, let's go ahead and jump ahead there. Verse we'll pick up is another evil, he says in verse one, verse two. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that he lacks nothing for himself of all he desires, yet God does not give him power to eat of it, but a foreigner consumes it, this is vanity and is an evil affliction. If a man begets a hundred children, and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with the goodness, or indeed he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off or better than he. For it comes to vanity and departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness. Though it has not seen the sun or known anything, this has more rest than that man. Even if he lives a thousand years twice, but it has not seen goodness, do not all go to one place. If you get down to the end of your life, which Mrs. Fry and I are getting there. She's a little ahead of me. Um, Maybe. Men don't live as long as women, so. We might be even by life expectancies. So, It says, all the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. For what more is the wise man than the fool? What does the poor man have who knows how to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desires. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Again, that grasping of the wind. Whatever one is, he is named already, for it is known that he is a man, and he cannot contend with him. Who is mightier than he why are you fighting against God God said I can provide for you I will take care of you Um, you should work earn a living to care for the needs not all the expectation of society for them and uh, enough to be generous to give to the others and so that's the expectation this is what God wants he wants you to work earn a living and enjoy it isn't that shocking But the world doesn't want you to enjoy it. It wants you to think you need more, work more to get 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 more. And by the time you're getting to be 80, you go, oh, I can sit back and enjoy everything. Well, no, you can't because now you're going to the doctor and giving them all the things you work for all your vain life. The transfer of wealth at the end of life as they extend your death, not your life, um, is a transfer of your heritage. And it's not going to your children, it's going to health care. And I've seen it over and over and over and over again. This tremendous transfer of wealth by keeping your body alive when and extending your death so that they can extract everything you've earned all your life. So you're not enjoying it because you hurt. I'm fifty-seven and I already hurt. I'm so glad I went around Israel when I was forty. Wait a minute, I was thirty-eight. That was great. I jumped, I climbed trees, I did things, I swam in things. This last time I just went with a little cane. You know, I'd broken my foot. And so, and it's just, from, it's just getting, every time, but almost everyone on the tour was old. And they were all doing that. I wish I could get over there to see that. I should have come here when I was 30. It's like, yeah, you should have. Why didn't you? Because I'm chasing the wind. Because we have this mentality we have to provide. So in the area provision for your child's physicality, they need nutritious food no doubt they need clean water they need they need a clean environment they need uh, to stay warm and and in, in the winter and cool in the summer and and they need those things but in your list of provision uh, they need you physically to play with them how are they going to develop you need and if you come home so exhausted you can't play with your child then you're working too much. How much more stuff do you need? You say, oh, I already got a mortgage. I already got a car payment. I already got, how am I going to get rid of that? It takes some work and effort, but it can be done. You just have to make a commitment to say, "Um, I don't need this. My child needs me more than they need this more stuff. And you bring your child gifts and gifts and gifts when all they really want is for you to go outside and play with them. They want you to sit down and read to them. They want you to help them color and cut and do all those things that build hand-eye coordination. That, that's your job, not daycare's job. Okay, That's your job, to invest in them and for their physical well-being. And that's where you're going to uh, be best to turn over the leaf. Uh, my daughter showed me. Uh, youtube channel is that what it is they have a youtube channel this family that just basically unplugged from everything and they went and lived out in the wilderness and their kids running around and like no shoes and no shirts and they're out there and and they said we teach them what they need to know and and we've just decided to reject the american dream just reject it and so they live in like a what do they live in it's a tent. They live in a tent, essentially, a camping tent. And it's uh, it, it's, it's absurdly the other direction, okay? I, I understand that. I'm just telling you that, that there is a realization that at some point you are just on a wheel running, and that's what Solomon's saying. Don't transfer that philosophy to your child, that to be happy you need more stuff. To be happy, um, give them the essentials and give them your time and all that comes with it all the learning they have all the engagement they have all the physical contact they have and they will be much more richly raised than those with all the wealth and this is Solomon's statement is this is wisdom if you want to learn from the wisest man next to Jesus um, that ever walked the planet um, this is what he has to tell you. Read Ecclesiastes, talk about wisdom and the vanity of it all. And this is the American dream exposed, is this book. And so, um, and he he, he lays it right out there. That's wickedness, it's evil. This stuff is evil that you're buying into. And so, uh, we have to ask our question, as we walk into the store with our child, and they say, well, do we need that? No, we don't need that. Do I need that? No, well, let's make one. I love doing that. Let's make one. You know, because the world knows how to sell stuff, um, and most people don't know how to make stuff. Let's, gr- let's, let's grow it. Let's not buy it. Let's grow it. Let's make it. Let's do something of our own creativity. And even making your own toys, making your own games. Make a, you know, and, and uh, my kids know that I make up games. I, I study on it, I prepare, and whenever I was in camp, I made up games. That was one of the things I was known for. Oh, here comes Pastor What's some of my games didn't work, some of them were spectacular failures. <laughs> but um, I learned from them and developed. And, and you know, if you come to my house for any length of time and you end up playing a game with us, my favorite one is one you can't buy at a store. Can't buy it. We made it. Okay. Um, Creativity, physical development, hand-eye coordination, all these things your child will benefit more by you than by any other thing you could buy for them. I know the gadgets say this is going to help your child's eye-hand coordination. Here's a special electronic toy. This is going to teach them the alphabet, special electronic toy. You can do a hundred times better job with them yourself honest and they will be able to play if you've ever watched kids just they they find things to play with here on our church site you ever notice your kids disappear i notice your kids because i know what they're doing or getting in trouble but they're also being creative sometimes it's a little destructive and i'm kind of patient with that you know and because you know they try to build a fort over here in a tree and break the tree because they're building a fort in a little dinky tree. It's like that's not really a tree fort, a tree for a fort. But I appreciate the creativity of trying to be productive and making something out of junk that was laying back here. That's okay. We just want to direct it, and it was undirected, but it was their own creation. And they're going to have the physical exercise. And we give them a sufficient rest, provide them that environment, provide them that safety. We talked about with the scheduling, with the D, with the discipline of a good lifestyle. This is what we prize. So my whole argument is provide them less of this world and more of you. And with that, I think you're going to bring them out of this clamor of the world for more and more stuff. Um and, and, and I am a product of that. And I fight very hard against it. My wife's a product of that. We get that stupid Dillard's ad, and her and my daughter want to run down there and buy another dress. And I'm like, why? Stop. Just stop. You have enough. How many dresses do you need? She's still wearing some from when we were married. So she's not horrible like some wives that come home with huge packages. And it's always going to be on sale for 85% off or something. But at some point, you just have to stop. I don't have any more room in my closet. I'm not going to build you another closet. Period. It's not happening. I'll build myself a tool shed, but I won't build you a closet. And she knows it. She knows I, I'm sitting here working with a tool, and I'm like, i, I got to make this tool work. Just go buy a new one. I was like, I can make this work. Until I finally can't make it work, and it's like, all right. And she's like, "Go, oh, boy, no!" And you're, you've used it for 30 years. Put, give it a rest, all right? But that level of frugality is not natural in our environment. It is, has to be learned. Your children need to learn it from you, and they will see the benefit of it. I get to spend more time with mom and dad because I don't, I don't have all this stuff everyone else has, but I have my mom and dad. I have them, and that's more than a replacement. So provide them yourself for their physical development. Food, absolutely, and we could talk about that a little bit next week. Um, and I want to hear more of your ideas uh, because I'm kind of uh, I, I have weird ideas. So, um, but uh, provide them more of you. That's my main force at the beginning of this. We want to finish up. Uh, the P of provision next week with some specific things. This is kind of a general thing. And E, we're going to get into E next week of example. That goes with um, their just physical exercise, sleep, nutrition, all of that that you need to provide for your kids. Okay, in the physical realm. We're not in the spiritual realm. We're not in the social realm. We already finished the realm of their wisdom. In the physical realm, they need your touch. They need you to help them learn how to throw ball and uh, how to blow their nose. <laughs> Had to throw that in there for you, Elizabeth. Uh, they need your help. And there's no better teacher. There's no better playmate. There's no better uh, skill developer than mom and dad. Okay? And siblings, older siblings. Once we create that culture of it. But it requires you to make a huge shift in philosophy away from American uh, materialism. Any questions, comments? This is biblical parenting. It's not my idea. This is Ecclesiastes. Can you be happy with one handful? Solomon says you'll be more happy with one handful than two then you don't have to work so hard. And you can enjoy the one handful instead of having two and then die and leave it to somebody else. When did you ever get to enjoy it? And they waste it. No. 40 hours is not a magical number. Um, Good question. Uh, In an agrarian society... Okay, realize that the Bible times are agrarian society. It says you should be working from uh, sunup to sundown. Okay, which means that your winter time, you're spending a lot more time at home than during the planting, weeding time in agrarian society, right? And so, um, but also in agrarian society, what are children doing while you're at work? They're working beside you. Okay, they're out there in the fields with you learning how to tend sheep. Okay, Dave was tending sheep at a very young age. He was engaged in the family business, if you will, in a great society. So is there a magic number to 40 hours? Uh, remember, you are displaced from your family for that period of time. And so I tell people that um, one of the things my wife and I talk about throughout our life is what is the least that she needs to work because our striving is always that she works the least necessary and here's the minimum to get life insurance or to get health insurance and we don't expect our churches because we're church planners to provide that and so uh, that was the minimum and and then we make sure we use all of her days off (laughs) and when she got fired that was oh that was such a blessing when she got laid off for having lifestyle issues, because they said you either go full time or you lose your position at Presbyterian Hospice, and she came home all upset. I've never been fired for. I was like, "This is great! They have to pay you for this many weeks you're going to use up all this, and then you're going to get unemployment insurance. And then we're going to be, and then they'll probably hire you back in another position." And that's exactly what happened. But we got to enjoy like seven months without her working at all. Okay, so it's it, what was how much do i need to work and and versus how much i work for other stuff and that there's no magic number cuz it depends upon what your job requires of you and it depends upon what your salary is this is all about search out a standard of living that enables you to be a parent and and you'd be surprised how many things you could do without. Um, You do realize that when I was growing up, no mothers had cars. Think about that a little bit. When I was a child, mothers, only wealthy mothers had cars. Mothers didn't have cars. One car family. That's all most of us were. Think about that. That meant only four tires instead of eight. Two old Chinese One old did two. One and, and and you know not necessarily a car payment. And so um, you look back and say, well, how is that? I'm not sure how people live without electricity. That that frightens me. Okay, that's I, I'm not ready to go there. Okay, personally. Um, but it's the whole idea of of. What would happen if women didn't have cars? Well, now you're not the soccer mom driving your kid all around. So, what are you doing? Walking. Walking. <laughs> 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 because you have a car. You see, it's a vicious cycle that the society has figured out how to extract to you your time and steal it from your children and give it and take it to them. And so um, you worked it out. And sometimes my mom would drop off my dad at work. He didn't need the car all day. If she had shopping to do or appointments to do, and uh, sometimes we just didn't have a car at home, and that was okay. We just that was going to be at home day, and we might be shipped off to school or something. But um, I'm out here driving. I see all these. I said, What are all these women doing driving out here? And What if they didn't have cars? What if you only had to have one car to insure? How much less would you have to work? One car to take care of, one car to insure, one car to maintain. How much less would you have to work? You need to equate everything with hours. Because what you're trading is stuff for your time. And you're taking that time from your spouse. You're taking that time from God. You're taking that time from your children. And you're exchanging that time for more things. Do not delude yourself that that is not what's going on. That is exactly what goes on. So we strive for what is, in my provision for my family, what what can I get down to? And I'm excited if people get down to one income. And you live on one income in your home, and that would—that's exciting to me. Um, that doesn't mean uh, we're going to live like paupers, because you're in America. Nobody lives like paupers. Even the, even the vagrants don't live like paupers. Because when they're out there with a sign, they've got all these empty Coke cups around them, so they must be doing pretty good, right? But they're not living like paupers. They got a cell phone. I don't have a cell phone. My wife does. We have a cell phone, but I don't use it much. Any other questions? Comments? Don't get caught in the American rat trap. The Bible wants you to enjoy the goodness of life with your children. And that means not buying it with your time. It means granting it to them with your time. More precious than anything you can buy at Walmart. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your provision that when we had a great need, you sent your son to provide for our need. And while we could have made a big shopping list, you knew what we really needed. Lord, help us have the wisdom to see what our children really need from us. They need our love, our care, our time, our, our, our touch. And that they need to be instructed in your word. And uh, Lord, we know that that runs counter to what we are confronted with in our world. That they are wanting to take our time away from our children and to invest it in their commodities. And so Lord, um, guard our hearts and give us wisdom to really re-examine our lifestyle, uh, the standard of living that that we carry and uh, the needs that our children have, that we might uh, provide for them, and we know that it is a command in your word that we provide for our family, uh, that, that we otherwise be worse than the infidels. Lord, help us to have that, but also to have a, uh, and to provide, not only provide for them, but to care for others. And Lord, uh, Lord we know that these are things that are honorable in your sight, but that you're also uh, from your hand is goodness. that You want us to enjoy aspects of this life and not just labor and frustration and, and vanity and chasing wind. Uh, Lord, help us to communicate that to our children and uh, give them a different standard than this world's. Come give them your standard. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.